and it takes, takes us away from making time with God. The Israelites were stuck in the desert, and they were frustrated, and they, and they started to do things without including God. This didn't make God very happy. They made their golden calf their idol, and God was sad. Let's pray. God, sometimes we forget to put you first in our lives before our stuff. Help us to seek you first before all the other things we love so much that keep us so busy and away from spending time with you. Thank you that you love us even when we make mistakes. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. Boy, now I know how Steve feels in the sanctuary when the children's moment steals his sermon. Okay, so today we have um, three announcements, and then Sarah Soboleski is going to come up here and talk about something special that we're going to be doing as a church for Haiti. So this Wednesday night, there's going to be a special dinner um, with a missionary that is, that is coming from a sensitive area, and you can read more about that on page four in the Garden Worship Bulletin. And then on October 22nd, we're going to have a celebration uh, sponsored by Presbyterian women celebrating 60 years of women in ordained mis- ministry in the Presbyterian Church. And Margaret Towner, the very first woman to be ordained, is going to be our special guest. And then um, me and Lori and I are also uh, going to join her. Then we need um, trunk or treat volunteers. So. We need you to uh, decorate your car in a biblical theme um, and even wear a costume, and um, we want to make an all-out effort to welcome the people in our neighborhood and in Sarasota for our second trunk or treat this year. So um, ideas are under the tree, and you can sign up there. So now, Sarah.
Okay, let's all stand up and welcome and say hi to the people around us. All right, ready? My 
my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you and I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. You are my king. You are my king. Jesus, you.
my soul. With my soul, it is well. It is well with my soul. My sin.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this time to come together to worship you, to worship the one true God who, despite our faults, despite our shortcomings and our sins, love us anyway. And right now, Lord, I'd like to lift up everyone who is affected by Hurricane Matthew. Give them a peace, give them a calm. Let them know that it is well because you are with us. Thank you so much for protecting this side of the coast and help us to be generous in our time and our efforts to those who need us, to those who are in need. For our friends down in in Haiti, in the Caribbean, who had to endure the, the worst part of this storm, Lord, just make your presence known to them and And help us to show who you are. Bless our sermon this morning. Help our hearts and our minds and our souls be prepared for the words you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this is the first time I've taken part in the leader, worship leadership in the garden. Lori promised y'all wouldn't throw tomatoes at me, so I'm counting on that. Um, last week, Lori talked about remembering. Remembering who we are and remembering to whom we belong. We're going to continue that theme this week and focus on remembering God. Let's start with this video clip. Inside every one of us is the capacity to remember and the capacity to forget. When we wake up, the first thing in our mind is our schedule for the day, and once we get moving, our brains go on automatic. Towards the middle of the afternoon, we start looking forward to the end of the day, when we will lay down once again and go to sleep. The way we think about our lives has gone from the holistic to the immediate, from the whole horizon to what's right in front of our eyes. As we go about life, we forget the why. Why are we even doing what we're doing? Why are we waking up? Why are we going from place to place? Why do we want to be on time? Why do we want to see our families? Why do we want to travel to get out of here? What is it inside of us that wants to do these things? We live most of our lives never having answered those questions, always assuming that it is the only way of life. But yet, the tendency to forget remains with us. We forget why we do what we do. We forget why we care about what we care about. We forget why we believe what we believe. Even in ministry, we forget about God. happen if we remember, if we remember our origins, remember our birth, remember the God who knit us together in our mother's wombs, remember the God who thought of us before the foundations of the earth, remember the past, remember our childhood, remember what others have done for us, remember how we arrived at today, remember how we were shaped to who we are. If we remember where we came from, maybe our eyes would finally be open to see where we are, to see where we're really going. What would today look like with those eyes? What if today wasn't random? What if it wasn't just another? What would happen if we remembered? Would we become the people that God meant for us to be? Would we live the lives that God planned for us from the beginning of time? If we truly remembered. There is nothing that has a bigger impact on the quality of our life here and now 
in the future and all the way into eternity than remembering God. The Apostle Paul said to pray without ceasing, and I believe this means practicing the presence of God, being cognizant that God is actually with us every moment. That is remembering God. This week's scripture passage is a classic example of what can happen when we don't remember, when people forget about God and forget about his love, his power, his provision, his mercy, and his grace, everything that he's done for us. To provide some context, um, before we read this week's scripture passage, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 430 years, and they were miserable. So they cried out to God, and God called Moses to confront the Pharaoh to set his people free with his brother Aaron to help. After 10 miraculous plagues, the Pharaoh finally let them go, and they began their journey to the promised land. After two very eventful months, they ended up at the base of Mount Sinai and camped at the foot of that mountain. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. You will be my kingdom of priests my holy nation. Moses then went down the mountain and prepared the people to meet with God. There at the foot of Mount Sinai, they received the Ten Commandments as well as some social and civil laws, a call for justice, and festivals to celebrate. They also received a promise of the Lord's presence to go with them. He said that he would send an angel before them and that they should pay careful attention and do everything that the angel told them to do. God said he would destroy all of their enemies and give them the land of Canaan that he had promised to Abraham so many years before. And above all, above all, they were to worship and serve only the Lord. The people said that they would do everything that the Lord had spoken to them and that they would be obedient. Then Moses sacrificed some bulls and put some of the blood from the bulls on the altar that he had made in front of the mountain, and he put some of the blood on the people. They didn't know that, but we know now that that was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus' blood for us when he was the Passover lamb, the once and for all sacrifice for sins. Then, after they had heard all this from God, and worshiped and agreed to follow the Lord and obey all that he had commanded, God called Moses back up on the mountain where he carved the Ten Commandments into two tablets of stone. He also gave Moses some instructions for building a tabernacle that was a foreshadowing of the temple that they would build in Jerusalem many years later. And now we come to today's scripture passage, and Cindy Lanou Foster is going to read it to us. time too, so, <laughs> okay. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, Moses' brother. Come on, they said, make us some God that, who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us in, in, from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, he melted it down, and he molded it in the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. 
Then he announced, tomorrow will be the festival to the Lord. The people got up very early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After that, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, quit, go down the mountain. Your people who you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are the gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. So, Moses tried to pacify the Lord, and he said, O Lord, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster that he had threatened to bring on his people. So, have you ever had this experience? You think of something that you want. It's in another part of the house, and you walk through the house, and as you're doing that, you think of 10 other things, and then when you get to the room, you totally forget what it is you're there for, right? Well, that's exactly what the Israelites were like in this instance. In the past several months, they had experienced crazy signs in Egypt that were meant to convince Pharaoh to let them go, including the death of all the firstborn of people and animals except theirs. God had used Moses to rescue them from slavery and lead them out of Egypt carrying gold and silver and clothes and all kinds of precious things that they gathered from the Egyptians who were glad to give them this stuff just to get them the heck out of there and get rid of these plagues. Then when the Pharaoh reneged, and chased after them, God led them to safety by the miraculous parting of the Red Sea. The Israelites walked through on dry land, but all of the Egyptians that were chasing them drowned. And it was right in front of their eyes, and they celebrated afterwards, so we know they didn't miss that. Then God provided water in the desert. He provided manna and quail for them to eat so they would not go hungry. He gave them victory in a war with the Amalekites who were set to destroy them. And he had given them the Ten Commandments. Moses had just built this altar, and they had commemorated the covenant that they had made with God. They swore that they would obey God and follow him and only him. And they knew that God spoke to Moses when he went up on that mountain, so they knew that's what he was doing. But apparently, he took a little longer than usual, and so um, they ran out of patience, and they completely forgot all that God had just done for them. They begged Aaron to make them some gods that would lead them, and then they gave him all their earrings and their jewelry. He melted them down, and he fashioned it into a golden calf. Now, it's funny when Moses confronted him later, his side of the story was, well, you know, they wanted somebody, they wanted something tangible, and so I put all this gold in the fire and out popped this calf like it did it by itself. They sacrificed and worshiped in the morning, and then they partied all afternoon. The consequences of their actions were devastating. Even though Moses appealed to God to forgive them, and he did, they still experienced the consequences of their actions. When Moses got down the mountain and he saw with his own eyes what they had done, he was just as angry as God. In a fit of rage, he smashed the tablets with the Ten Commandments. 
He took the golden calf and he ground it into dust. He put it into water and he made the people drink it. He commanded the Levites, one of the 12 tribes and the tribe that um, became the priests, to go through the crowd with their swords, and they did, and they killed 3,000 people. Many more died from a plague, and their progress toward the promised land was held up. It was delayed even longer because Moses had to go back up on the mountain again, and God made tablets of stone again for the second time. This was one of the many, many times right up until today that God's people were unfaithful to him, but yet he remained faithful to them. The problem for the Israelites and for us is that though we're forgiven, when we confess and repent, that means to change our minds and agree with God, we still suffer the consequences. When people forget about God, when we forget about God and we do what seems right in our own wise, in our own eyes, it usually goes sideways, and the result is pain and regret. We forget so easily, don't we? Big things and little. The Daily Mail, a UK paper, reported on a study that found that, on the average, adults forget three key things a day, facts, chores, or events. And get this, men forget more than women, even though women have more to remember. It's true, (laughs) at least according to that study. Our modern hectic lifestyles and increased workloads and pressures and all this wonderful modern technology were blamed for the increase in our levels of forgetfulness. So it's like um, there was this couple that went to another couple's house for dinner. And after they finished eating, the women went out into the kitchen, and the men were talking. And one of the guys said to the other, "Um, we went out to dinner at this really great new restaurant yesterday. It was really awesome. And the other guy said, well, what was the name of it? The guy thought, and he thought. And finally he said, what's what's the name of that flower, the one you give to someone you love? It's red, and it has thorns. And the guy said, you mean a rose? He said, yeah, that's it. So he turned toward the kitchen and he said, hey, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant we went to last night? (laughs) God knows that we easily forget. So he has often instructed his people to do specific things to help us remember. And he's built in us the strong desire to remember. We do want to remember important people and moments and events in our lives. So um, there were times in the Bible when people set up memorials of remembrance. One of the times was when, a little bit later from this incident, when, um, like 40 years later, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, they, each of the tribes took a stone and they built a pillar of stones of remembrance. They, in fact, did two of them, one in the middle of the Jordan and one on the other side when God had gotten them safely to the other side. And in 1 Samuel 7:12, after Samuel prayed to God, and then Israel defeated the Philistines in battle, we read, then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Does anyone here remember in the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? There's a line that says, here I raise my Ebenezer. That's what that's about. So God used these memorials for a particular purpose, to stand out as a witness of the great things that he had done. So when people walked by and asked, what's that stone for? What's this pillar for? Someone could tell them the story of how God helped his people. And that built their faith. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, there's something called the Shema. In, in this um, scripture passage, Moses tells the people, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. 
Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you arise. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then in Psalm 1 we read again about remembering God. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law or his word she meditates day and night. God also gave the Israelites feasts and festivals to celebrate him and to help them remember. And then the most important remembrance of all is in the New Testament. It's the Lord's Supper. After the Last Supper, Jesus tells his disciples that as they eat the bread and drink the wine of the new covenant, to do so in memory and in remembrance of him. I learned something interesting um, from my Hebrew professor recently, and that is that the Hebrew word for remember, which is zakar, can mean something more than just recalling facts as it does to us. Did you ever wonder why some Bible verses say that God remembered someone and then he did something for that person as if he'd had a senior moment, like, oh, I forgot all about Abraham. Well, we wouldn't expect God to have senior moments, and so right there, that's a clue to us that that word probably means something more than uh, we see at face value. In English, remember is uh, a recollection in our mind of dates and um, events, where I left my keys, basically information in our minds. But in Hebrew, however, it often carries the idea with it of reflection followed by action. And especially when we talk about God remembering, that is the connotation. As in, when Joseph was in prison and he asked one of his cellmates, who he had just interpreted a dream for, this guy was going to be restored to his position as chief butler to Pharaoh, and uh, Joseph asked him to remember him. What Joseph was really asking the guy was to say something nice about Joseph to the Pharaoh so that he could get out of prison. Or when God remembered Hannah and she became pregnant after she had prayed for so many years. God wants us to remember him because he loves us more than we can possibly comprehend and he wants to be in relationship with us. He made us and he knows how we tick. He knows what will fill us with love and peace and joy what we're really trying to get at when we chase after so many other things, what we really want is love and peace and joy in our hearts and in our lives. He knows what will do that for us. And he knows that better than we do. But just like the Israelites, we forget. We forget about God's presence. We forget about his provision. We forget that things don't give us what we need. And when things don't go our way, we forget that he always acts for our benefit and our best interests and brings the good out of everything in his own way and timing. And when we forget God ourselves, the results are just as devastating as they were for the Israelites. Our relationship with God is strained or non-existent, and our relationships with each other don't fare much better. We want tangible things to worship, like the golden calf. Although we wouldn't say we were worshiping them, some people do worship at the altar of extravagant materialism. While others go hungry and homeless. This is a stark example right here. A couple of years ago, Kohler announced that they were making a new toilet, a six thousand dollar toilet. It has an SD card in it. It's got a USB port in it. It's got programmable lights, seven different colors, so that you can program one color for every day of the week if you like, or some other way. And at the same time, one million children 
die from hunger every year. And the number of hungry people in the world exceeds the populations of the US, Canada, and the European Union put together. This should not be. When we forget God, we throw ethics and morality out the window. We become self-centered and greedy and injustice and abuse prevail. Promises are broken and relationships are ruptured. Lies and deceit become acceptable as means to the ends we seek. Addictions run rampant and we destroy the earth, the creation that God made. And without remembering God, we don't have a firm foundation, something to cling to besides our own ingenuity when we go through the trials of life, and we all do. And all of this is the opposite, the complete antithesis to loving God and loving neighbor. But when we do remember God by intentionally and consistently investing time in our relationship with him, we are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we reap incredibly awesome benefits. Jesus said that without him, we can do nothing, but if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. And what that looks like is an increase, a steady increase of love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our faith grows and sustains us, and we have the strength to hold on when times are tough. And when temptation strikes, we have a foundation for resisting and choosing a better way. We have peace of mind and heart and soul. People's needs are met because we want to serve them. Hearts are mended and relationships are healed. We stop letting injustice triumph. People are housed and fed and kept warm and educated. That's not to say that if we remember God that life's a bowl of cherries and we don't ever have any problems. We know that's not true. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So there is a clear distinction between the results of remembering God in our everyday walking around lives on the one hand and the high cost of forgetting God in the other. Since we know that, what can we do to remember our gracious and merciful God? What does that look like practically in this crazy treadmill life that we all seem to be leading? Well, worship to begin with, regular worship on Sundays for starters. We gather together to worship our gracious and loving God, and we draw strength from his presence, from the proclamation of his word, and from each other. But that's not enough. We need to remember him every day. So we need daily time in scripture and prayer, like the narrative lectionary, the little passages that we have in our um, bulletins. Just that little snippet every single day makes a huge difference. I personally love version. They have all kinds of great devotionals. It doesn't take any more than three minutes to read some of those devotionals. And they have great stories about what God is doing in people's lives, um, in them and in their lives, as well as some really key scripture verses. We can put up a wall plaque or a screensaver with our favorite verse. That's sort of like writing on the doorposts and the gates like God told the Israelites to do. We can listen to praise songs on Christian radio and uh, other programming. We're really blessed that we have two radio stations here, two Christian radio stations, Joy FM and Moody Radio. We can take part in a small group Bible study, and maybe once in a while we can even make room for a class We can memorize a few favorite scripture verses. You would be surprised how how God can bring those to your uh, mind just at the moment that you need them most. We can figure out our passion to right or wrong, and we can take one small step to do something to make that happen. We can respond to a need that God puts right in front of our face, like the Good Samaritan did. 
We can find little ways, just little things every single day to remember God and to serve Him by serving others. We don't need to wait until we have a big block of time or margin in our lives, like that's ever going to happen anyway. Um, But we can fit five minutes of Scripture a day in. We can fit two minutes of prayer to pray for somebody who's sick. We can make a three-minute phone call or take three minutes to write an email of encouragement to somebody that needs it. My brothers and sisters, God has placed us in the midst of a broken world with hurting people all around us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus who told us to love God and our neighbor, to care for the people around us. We can't do that on our own, but we need the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And to experience his strength and power, we need to be filled with him, and that means spending intentional time with him. So let's, every one of us, determine to be intentional about remembering him in a Shema sort of way this week. When we wake up, when we're at home with our families, at work or at school, at play with our friends, when we're afraid, when it's time to make a choice or decision, and when we're ready to lay our heads on our pillows at night and go to sleep. And let us begin by seriously helping the precious souls of Haiti who have just lost loved ones and homes and are struggling for survival. Friends, remember who you are and to whom you belong. Remember God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you so much for your blessings. We pray that as your word was spoken today, that you would take that word and work in each of our hearts and souls in just the way that each one of us need it. Go with us today as we go on our way and help us to be salt and light. The hands and feet of Christ wherever we go. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again amazing love how can it be that you my king would die for me Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. You are my king. King would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die? love, I know it's true, 
and it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you in all I do. I Friends, let's all be intentional this week in giving a little bit of undivided attention to God and remembering Him. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.